Welcome to the Agile Coffee Podcast, episode 37. My name is Sophia Marie, and you can reach me on Twitter at Agile Coffee. Wait, wait, no, that's not you, that's me. You can reach me on Twitter. You're not on Twitter, are you? Um, no, 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 I'm not. But thanks for introducing the podcast. You're welcome. And I think you have some skills doing video. Really? So for those of you who haven't yet gone to the Kickstarter page, Sophia interviewed me for the video that we did for the Kickstarter. You did a really good job interviewing me. Thank you. And I really liked your glasses, too. They are fake. They were fake? Yeah. I saw right through them. Oh. I like those cards. Well, thank you. I had a good time making them. And in this episode of the podcast, I'm going to use those cards. Should we play the music? Yeah. Hit it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Agile Coffee Podcast. This is episode number 37. Today I am joined in a, in a room at the library, the Tustin Library. This is great. Um, joined by Curtis Gilbert. Good morning, Curtis. Good morning, Vic. Curtis can be reached on email at cfgilbert at outlook.com. Larry Lawhead. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. It's good to be here again. Larry is on Twitter at Larry Lawhead. Brett Palmer. Hi. Hi, Brett. Hi, Vic. It's been a while since we had you on. It's been quite a while, yes. Brett is on Twitter at Brett underscore Palmer. I'm Vic Bonacci. You can reach me on Twitter at Agile Coffee. Today is pretty exciting. We've got a new product that we're developing. Uh, I've put it out online. You can go to agilecoachingcards.com to find out more. But what it is is a deck of cards. It looks like a standard poker deck. I mean, you look at one side, it's got the, the bean, the coffee bean motif there. Uh, but then you turn it over and you look at each card and they've got questions. A lot of these questions for longtime listeners might sound familiar. They're the best of the best questions from lean coffees that I've held over the last three years, and I actually brought two decks with us. Um, so that's what we're doing. We're pulling questions from there, but we've also got one or two uh, questions that we are writing onto some of the blank cards. How do you guys like them so far? Well, they're awesome. Yeah, I really like these. The questions are great. This is, will facilitate super good discussions with your team or whoever you want to use these with. I like this a lot. There's a lot here. That's mm-hmm. good stuff. Yeah. So let's go ahead and uh, read off some of the questions that we've got. And who wants to start? Curtis, you've got a couple of cards in front of you. Want to read those? Sure. Uh, one of the cards I have up here is uh, using personal Kanban in your non-work life. I was chatting about earlier with the fellas on how I did that inside of a coaching program. Um, and then we decided we should record that. So we'll I'll talk a little bit about that. Great. You've got another card. You actually wrote a topic of your own on this one. Yeah, the power of Scrum Master. I think the question is, you know, often I hear debates about just how powerful the Scrum Master is. Um, and, you know, it's, I think, always debatable. You know, all Scrum Masters aren't created equal. And I think really the key comes to how powerfully that particular Scrum Master shows up and how he influences the work setting and the people uh, and what they get done. Cool. Larry, you've got a few cards I've in got, front of me. Yes, yeah, so I've got three cards here that interest me here. Modeling col- uh, collaboration. Uh, this is a topic that I've been thinking about a bit, and I think I would like to discuss this and see if I can't get some new ideas. And um, uh, methods for limiting work in progress, another uh, good card. 
uh, something that I'm uh, very interested in getting more input on. And are we responsible for coaching upward? Uh, the whole idea that um, if Agile is in this late adoption stage, the companies that are late adopters of, uh, of Scrum, like the company we were talking about just before we started recording, uh, they're going to be a lot different than early adopter companies. And then I believe this whole coaching upward is going to become more and more important as we go along. So I uh, want to discuss this and see what we could dig up. So far, it seems like all the cards we're pulling here are from Volume 2 of the deck. Uh, what have you got there, Brett? Also, it looks like you've got <coughs> Volume 2 cards in front of you. Yes. Uh, so the first one that I've got is, do you think project managers can make good Scrum Masters? Nice. Good. So okay. uh, I think that, that speaks for itself, and we can talk about that. The other one is our professional development, not only as Scrum Masters, Agile Coaches, but just in terms of our general professional development, where we're going in the next six months, year, two years, three years, five years, ten years. So we can talk about that. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I've got one card in front of me, also from Volume 2. That seems to be a trend here. How does practicing Agile change people? How does practicing Agile change people? So that's, uh, what do we have, six, eight cards These in front of us? These are great, great, great topics. And I think the only reason we don't have anything from deck one is because we didn't pull it out of the bag. So <laughs> here it is. All right. Well, we get to deck one next time. Yeah, we'll, we'll hit deck no, one next time. Actually, I think I pulled something out of that deck. So what we've got are... Um, are these cards? Like I said, they're the they're the Agile Coffee conversation starters, and um, printed on a nice cardstock that's uh, very smooth and they say it's casino quality and blah de blah. What's the website to order these again at? Well, you can't order them now, but oh. you, they're they're on a Kickstarter for another few weeks. In fact, I'm I'm happy to announce we've passed our goal. Wow! Yeah. So we've uh, anyone who goes to Kickstarter for the next uh, remaining time. Thank you guys. Uh, is sure to get the uh, the rewards sent to them. Um, so you can go to agilecoachingcards.com, and it'll have a link to, to the project on Kickstarter. You can also just go to Kickstarter, and you can find it there too. Um, really happy to have done these, but where I was going with this is that since these cards are on the stock that they're on, we can actually use these dry erase markers that are in front of us and do our dot voting with dry erase markers. Um, similarly, Curtis already, uh, as you heard, wrote out a topic of his own on one of the blank cards that comes provided with the deck. And um, Well, there's several blank cards, not just one. Yeah, each deck comes with uh, about five blank cards so that if you don't find, if, if you've got something that you're just burning to talk about uh, today, you know, who's to stop you? So go ahead and write out your own card, and then at the end of the day, the day it erases right off. So um, as long as you're using the dry erase markers, right? Um, one other note, um, Curtis, you brought this up, is the with the deck, with each deck, you get the instructions how to set up a lean coffee, um, including a diagram of the of what a personal Kanban looks like. Um, and so I think it makes it very straightforward for us to, to do that, especially for people who have never done a what's called a lean coffee traditionally. Um, but I think there's other variations of gameplay that we could get into. I don't think we're going to get into it today, but, you know, just dealing out a, a hand. And so you've basically got uh, a dealer and, and other players who receive a deck of cards more or less at random. And then you play a card maybe in turn. Everyone plays a card. So there's no voting involved. But that, that could be uh, an experiment for another day. How's that? Yeah, sounds great. So let's go ahead and vote, guys. Mm. 
All right, so we've voted up. Uh, our first card today is using personal Kanban in your non-work life. Curtis, this is for you. Okay, sounds good. So before we get started, let's talk about what is Kanban. And uh, I think I'll put it in as uh, plain English. It's a visual representation of work in progress. Um, it's it's a model. It's got a lot of history behind it. It's found its roots in manufacturing. I won't go down that lane, but really essentially uh, if you can – have a visual in your mind of a board kind of concept uh, with planned work, uh, work in progress, and work done. And that's a very simplistic model, uh, but if you could visualize that from left to right, uh, that's essentially what a Kanban board is. Or, or like, do, like to do is one column, doing is another column, and then done is another column. Right, right. And, and Brett raises a good point. There's different labels, uh, and you really would want to pick the label that makes sense to you and resonates with you. But you can add as many labels as you want for different phases of whatever the work is going through. So yeah, it's so a, more, co- more columns. There might be that. more statuses that that particular process goes through. But so. in its simplest form, yeah. to do, doing, done. Yep. Right, yeah. exactly. So um, so with that said, uh, and uh, there's different models, and you can certainly do a quick search and see a lot of different visuals, uh, representations of how you might want to organize your work. Um, but let's talk about how you're using it in, in your personal life, and I'll share with you how I actually used it and um, done some coaching with a, uh, a coaching group, coincidentally. And the... Uh, the picture is uh, it's the the picture of our Kanban board is modeled around uh, uh, Thomas Leonard has a, a pro it's a a model called nine environments uh, and that's literally what it is it's nine environments it's breaking your life into nine different environments physical uh, networking relationships spiritual um, and I'm going off of the top of my head a couple of them uh, your body environment your self environment. And I didn't do a complete count. Oh, nature is actually an environment, believe it or not. But mm-hmm. you'd have to look it up. It's easy to find on the Internet. Just do a quick search on nine environments, Thomas Leonard. So uh, the model looks like this, breaking up the work uh, inside of those nine environments and using the Kanban board to guide them through your workflow. Uh, we talked earlier about to-do, doing, and done. So one environment, as a quick illustration, uh, and then I'll stop, is say your physical environment. That's a big one. That's usually one that you might do decluttering, say your rooms, your computers, your systems. Uh, you'd break down um, your work into, um, say, clean your bedroom, which sounds pretty silly in itself. But if you actually ever undertake a decluttering exercise, that's the way you'd approach it. And you literally take those... You might say clean room, and then you discover that's too big. Mm-hmm. You're also, just for just for mention, I won't go into a lot of detail, there are some agile principles involved here in terms of work size. You want to create a manageable workload. So let's say I decide that four hours is a reasonable work unit, and you take that and you put that on the to-do, and that might say clean room. And then you realize, no, I can't get that room done in four hours, so I break it into clean closet. And you guide that through from start to finish, to do, doing, and done. And then you have your reason to celebrate. At the end, go off, have your favorite milkshake or your favorite beer, watch your sports, whatever you do. And um, and that's essentially Kanban in action in your personal life. And, again, look at the nine environments. Uh, if you have some questions about what that might look like in the way of a board, um, 
and what that workflow might look like, you know, reach out to me and I'll, I'll give you some pointers. I got some questions about what your room looks like. Man, if you can't get the whole thing done in four hours, <laughs> you're talking about cleaning a closet. Yeah. No, that's good, good stuff. Um, I, I've used Kanban in my own personal life. Um, you know, I use an online tool called Trello. And so when I was putting together not only the project for the cards, but, you know, blog posts I put up there, any kind of notes for um, – you know, job related. If I'm doing a job search, I put that as a category in Trello. And then I've probably got about nine different categories. You can color code them. And then you can, again, visualize that work in process so that you can see, you know, what you're working on and limiting that, that work in progress process as well. Um, it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, Brett. Oh, I was just going to add to that. Now, um, <clears throat> there is a difference between keeping track of your Kanban uh, work items in an online system versus actually on Post-its in a physical, tactile uh, approach, Absolutely. like on your yeah. like closet door or you know on your whiteboard or whatever like that. Because there are certain um, psychological principles that create satisfaction when you are tactile with your grabbing a post-it and moving it from, let's say, to do to doing, and then you grab it again later from from doing to done. I'll just add one example of a board that one of the team members put together. They did a Kanban on their, their um, refrigerator. Mm-hmm. which uh, kind of made us laugh. But, of course, I think a lot of people have refrigerators stuffed with stickers and stuff, and it's actually usually impractical. But when she finished doing her board, it was actually a, a, a bit of a joke because we laughed about the fact that she could never get away from her board, mm. and <laughs> she would always be working uh, at some point to make sure she was on her projects. All right, sounds good. Let's move on to the next topic. Uh, who wrote this one? Do you think project managers can make good scrum masters? I think it's yours, Brett. Yeah, so um, that's just a basic question that we can uh, all discuss is that a lot of uh, companies right now are making the transition to agile projects from Waterfall, and they've got these traditional application project managers that need to now somehow transition to the Scrum Master role. Um, So I'm curious as to whether or not these individuals are good candidates to be able to take on the role of Scrum Master or what types of training and psychology is needed in order to bring these individuals uh, to that Scrum Master way of thinking. Because it's very different because the way I see it is that project managers traditionally are very command and control. They are the ones that like coordinate a lot of the stuff, whereas a Scrum Master is more servant leader, more empowering the team, uh, more like uh, just letting letting the team be responsible for the work. Um, so I'm, I'm wanting to know what your thoughts are that. Have you ever had experiences where you've trans, seen transitions from project managers to that scrum master role? How did that work out? Um, yeah, I come from a waterfall background of many, many years of project management experience. And when I ran into scrum, I thought this is absolutely it. I, I was at a part professionally where I was very frustrated too after over budgetness you know, and over over late and people are frustrated and then you have these come to Jesus hours with your team and and then the 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 uh, boss comes and says okay we got to put the metal to the pedal all this stuff for years and you, you get tired of that yeah. and all of a sudden iterative um, uh, 
uh, software development, for example, why not? I, I know, and I know it's been out there for years, and I know it's been in discussion, but somehow I never got it, and I got totally converted. I uh, don't want to go back. So I, just based on my experience, I can say that a project manager can can become a really good scrum master. On the other hand, I've met people that absolutely cannot make the make the change. I don't know why. Yeah. Right. And so what if you have an organization where in theory they want to be able to convert project managers to scrum masters, but uh, but you might not have a really good project manager, but somebody wants to sabotage your agile transit transformation. <laughs> yeah. So they suggest that you use a, a project manager as a scrum master as a way of covert, you know, sabotage. That sounds like a different topic. For yeah, you. that's that's a, that's definitely a different lane. Um, so I, I I think whether you're a project manager or a scrum master, I mean, a really typically good project manager has got a really high degree of emotional awareness. And I think one of the you asked earlier the question about just so what are not only think just the kind of trainings, but the qualities is kind of I felt like what well, that was the question. What are the qualities and the skills? So if you've got, I think, um, you know, you're going to have a mixed bag of project managers. You're going to have the command and control guys, the one that delegate, expect the work to get done, walk away, come back, and check on progress, so to speak, uh, where I think we know Scrum is a – it's an engagement sport. Yeah. You've got to be engaged with the people. You've got to be engaged with the team. There's nowhere to hide in an agile Scrum world. In, in waterfall and project management, there are places to hide. There's places you can shift blame, all the classical things, but the reality of it is you can make the change. I think some of the qualifiers are that your project managers have a high degree of emotional uh, intelligence. And uh, and also, I think earlier was said is, you know, it is a servant leadership role. So if you don't show up that way... Um, it's probably not going to be the easiest transition. I won't say it can't be done, but it won't be easy. So my question is then let's maybe change the topic slightly so we all agree maybe that project managers can make great scrum masters. So what types of training and education and resources are available for these individuals so that they can make that transition smoothly and effectively? Well, I don't know if I'd agree with everything that you just said, first okay. of all, like that I, I, if I could change what you said, okay. I don't believe that all project managers okay. can make that transition. But going back to what Curtis said, is that there's a lot of the skills that project managers have that are transferable. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. But then it goes down to yeah. your, your own mindset and your own way of working. Right. But, yeah, going back to your question then, if you have candidates who look like they would make the transition, right. what or are the... Or who want to make the transition but don't know where to get started, what do I need to right. do? What are some things that they can do? Right. So what do you recommend? So one of the things they could do is they could go to scrum.org and they could look at the uh, assessment criteria for the PSM-1. Um, and they could take that and they could study for that. That would be a very good, a very affordable way that they could like start to learn and study and prepare for that PSM-1 examination. I think it's only like 150 bucks to get certified in that respect. That's a very good first, first start. Okay. Yeah, I mean, CSM courses yes, through Scrum CSM, Alliance. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's no shortage of, of good courses out there uh, with different groups, whether they come with certifications or not. Um, what else is there, Curtis? I think one other thing is, you know, a lot of the events um, that I've gone to, the Agile Scrum events, um, those oh, have yes. been very eye-opening. Agile Open. Agile Open, Agile Camp. 
Yeah, Agile uh, Coach Camp. Agile Camp, Coach Camp, yes. and, and then some of the local events because I think – Agile SoCal, yes, for example, or ab- whatever. Absolutely, yeah. because I think that's where a project manager is going to have the real sense of what Agile and Scrum is about. Yeah, you can't get it from a WebEx or right. a webinar. You can't really get that way of thinking, that way of being, unless you're around other like-minded individuals who really embrace the way of thinking, the culture, the mindset, and really embody what Agile Scrum is all about. Yeah, I just wanted to reinforce that idea. The community itself is enough of a converter or helps the transition. There's people, uh, everybody's going to help you. I've Mm -hmm. never met anybody yet in any place I've gone mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't extremely helpful. Oh, yeah, read this book, or I had this experience. So the community is is one of the things that helps us transition well. Well, I'd be remiss not to say that these coaching cards in front of us here are serving that exact purpose. I mean, here we are forming our own small think tank. There's four of us in the room here, and we are doing exactly what you guys are saying. We're talking about our experiences, and if some of us uh, maybe are at a lower experience level in certain areas, the rest of us are are pulling that person up or giving him ideas to kind of you know get himself up and, and likewise we're kind of talking about our own views um, how to find the materials how to find the resources to go about making those changes but the first step is just getting involved whether it's in the community of your own or you know finding an online course or, or you know some other webinar book whatever it is uh, yeah Larry and I just wanted to reinforce what you just said that uh, you I would very, I strongly encourage all of our the people listening to this podcast to become part of a community if you haven't, or if you aren't part of the community. Yeah. It's well worth the time. Don't think that you don't have time for a, a meeting once a once a month or a, an agile coffee or something somewhere. It, 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 being part of the community makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, Curtis, uh, I just wanted to close out the question to Brett's. Um, proposal about can the project manager i think it's short just i I mean i hate to be redundant but it's you know you got to get exposed to the culture and Mm -hmm. get some exposure to the training and how you do it and then see what happens yeah exactly great all right if you have any other ideas that you'd like to contribute to the question do you think project managers can make good scrum masters or where do they go to start reach out to us on twitter using the hashtag tell agile coffee Our next question now says, how does practicing Agile change people? How does practicing Agile change people? And I think that it kind of dovetails a lot with what we were talking about. Do Scrum Masters uh, come from project managers? Like, what's the mindset there? And that, for me, is is where I want to start with this topic here, is is it's all about mindset. And so, for me, uh, the reason I chose this card is... uh, uh, something that I think Larry was saying too. It, it does change you once you discovered Scrum. Your a light bulb goes on, and and I remember that that moment for me back. I was a, a project manager in a very waterfall environment, um, in-flight entertainment. You know, working with F, you know, working with large stacks of requirements and all that. Um, and when when it clicked, it was like, wow, this has changed my life. And I wrote that on LinkedIn eight or nine years ago, and it stayed. I still have that that statement there. But uh, I'm going to open it up because Brett seems to want to say something. Yeah, so one of the things that uh, really I got out of my personal transition to Agile is this concept of good enough for now, this G-E-F-N, good enough for now. Mm-hmm. Diana Larson mentions it in her, I think it's the Liftoff book, um, that came out recently, but it's this idea of just, 
you're going to iterate, inspect, and adapt, and you're going to get better and better over time. And so I had this experience with one of my teams that I was working with a couple months ago. We were doing some high-level user story grooming sessions or backlog refinement is the new language for that. And we were um, working with high-level epics, and we got to a certain point where we just couldn't go any further, and we said, okay, well, this is good enough for now. Let's move on. And everybody was very cool with that approach. We didn't have to get it right the first time, knowing that we're going to come back to it. And so uh, that's really just helped my thinking and just even my own personal life as I'm you know, doing household work and things like that. It's like, okay, you know, I work within that time box. So um, I'm kind of smiling thinking about when I first got exposed to Agile, um, I think one of the conversations I had afterwards was, you don't, you know, you don't have to boil the ocean, which is kind of <laughs> often how we approach so many of our projects. We want to do it all and get it all done in some ridiculous amount of time frame. And um, when I experienced Agile, I started to realize, boy, this is more like what real life is like. It's iterative. Mm-hmm. Okay. Things change. Circumstances change. Or put a work term to it, requirements change, outcomes change. Um, and I began to see in my own personal life how often I'd made so many things a boil-the-ocean kind of experience. And I mm-hmm. said, you know what, I don't have to do it that way. I could actually do a small project, celebrate that, and go on to the next thing. And, oh, by the way, that might change. So I think um, Agile is more human-like in short. Yeah, exactly. And it matches the way we actually really operate. Uh, and anything different than that is really doing things the hard way. Yeah, that was my point, uh, just the humanity of it. It's more yeah. humane. Um, going back to my time, again, at, at the at the avionics place, it was very much um, the command and control. Right. The project manager has all the answers or drives the answers from, from the team um, in, a, in a very forceful way, yeah. um, thinking of people as resources. And now in Agile, it's like people are people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and we all have to work together to get along um, to, to make changes in the workplace and to solve problems. Yeah. It's it makes me think of a, of a skit. I mean, I almost have this image yeah. of a skit and a bunch of naval uh, commanders and uh, <laughs> we're... <laughs> Get on the decks and swap the decks. It's almost sounding that way. It's not that way at Agile at all. It's much more fun. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say, Vic, in this particular setup that we have here at the Tustin California Library, you seem much more relaxed and able to participate with this very lightweight (laughs) microphone recording setup here because you're not, you didn't have to like schlep in all of your like gear and stuff. So you're actually able to participate more, which is great. As we've done these podcasts over the the year, year and a half now, I've been iterating, right? So my, my setup is more. Agile and more lean, I should that's say. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, great observation there. Um, let's move on then. We've got uh, a couple more cards left. Uh, Curtis wrote this one: "The Power of oh, Scrum Master." Fine, give be. give context to why you wrote that. We had a really good discussion before we started turning on the mics. Here. Right. Yeah. Made the vote. Okay. Um, so I was having a discussion with somebody who was uh, explaining to me that. In his capacity as a scrum master, um, he didn't really feel like it was, I don't know, a big enough job. Um, I've been, uh, for myself, a lot of years um, having a high degree of regard for a scrum master. So I was surprised by his re- his uh, statement. But I think it became more clear where he was coming from uh, in the fact that he showed up 
and wanted to do more than what he felt was a classical requirement of a scrum master. He said most scrum masters he observed wanted to stay inside of a little box and just say, I'm managing a development effort. I don't care about the environment. I don't care about security. I don't care about these other things. And I looked at him and I thought, boy, that doesn't sound right because I can't really imagine a scrum master not uh, taking interest in the success uh, a successful outcome, taking all those elements. So I was a little surprised uh, at the statement, and I felt like, well, you know, if you show up and you want to sit in front of a box, which I don't think is in the spirit of Scrum uh, or Scrum Master, uh, then your power is going to be limited to that. Uh, so if you show up as somebody who really wants to get something done and have everybody's success in mind, and that's really the power of a scrum master. So I think a scrum master is just a, it's a, I don't want to oversimplify, it's a title, but it's a guy who shows up in a servant leadership capacity, he wants to be seeing everyone um, at the other ones, uh, other end saying, hey, I'm, I've been successful, we've been successful, and I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really happy about what I'm doing. Right. Well, just like any, in any profession, there are people that take their job lightly. And then there are people that really take their job seriously and really want to do their job well. And so in my experience, I've met scrum masters who just do the very bare minimum. And they're not really scrum masters, but they are serving as that role. And you can do that. You can sometimes have maybe a, a business analyst or something fill in that role as a scrum master for a team. And they may or may not really get it. They may or may not be effective. But then you have the other individuals, some people that are extremely competent, extremely serious. They've spent a lot of time professionally developing themselves. They've spent a lot of time really involved in their Agile community. They really understand the principles of Agile and Scrum. They embody that and they brace it and they help the team and the organization both above them and beneath them in the organization, really help to generate that spirit of agile transformation and servant leadership. Yeah, I think it's all about success. I get pretty worked up at this topic sometimes because people, the way I see it, you get some deadheads that say they're scrum masters, but they just sit there and do nothing, like you said, in front of the in front of the monitor and just do whatever they're they're doing but it's all about success i want my team to be successful i want the project to be successful i want the company that i work for to be successful uh and how do i do that well i do that by having a strong cross-functional team well you have to also identify what success looks like yes. what what is our metric for or measurement for success so we know when we got there yeah the, the what i like to go by is my throughput i'm always watching my throughput mm -hmm. did we increase our throughput hey but last retrospective we discussed these two things and said we want these to be the our, our improvement goals for the next sprint did we make it yes we did look and look how it impacted the numbers and so People get pretty excited by going, we did 160 points last time. Wow, we did We did 180 this time. You think we can keep it up? So you get this whole enthusiasm going. And I'm not going to get that sitting behind a monitor going, well, I guess uh, it's time for lunch. Larry is not exaggerating. He is excited. I've never seen him stand. Well, you know what? Get my team's only doing my so team's only doing thirty points. I want to be on his team doing one hundred and eighty. <laughs> yeah, you see, that's no, the kind that of thing that, that happens, and yeah. that's what it's all about. That's a good scrum master. Yeah. It's, it's funny because um, in volume one here of the deck, we've got a card that said, "Is scrum master a full time job?" And so when you wrote this card out, Curtis, that's the other card that I thought of. You know. 
Because it's the same thing. If, if I'm a scrum master, and, and let's just say I'm not Vic, but I'm, I'm a generic scrum master, maybe new to the job, don't really know what I'm supposed to do as a scrum master, I just know that I'm supposed to, like, work with the team in a vague sense and kind of over oversee the, the cadence and the, and the ceremonies and things like that. But beyond that, it seems like I've got 30 hours a week to fill doing something else. <laughs> what do I do, right? So... I'm out there evangelizing within the company. I'm talking to stakeholders in the company. I'm working with my product owner, making yep. sure the backlog is refined, yep. making sure that the product owner knows how to make useful user stories. Uh, I'm seeing if the team needs training. I'm working with them, uh, working with maybe the architects and the team leads, uh, the tech leads within the organization to see like what other ways we could um, affect greater uh, growth, uh, whether it's personal growth, career growth, uh, technical growth for the team as well. Don't forget, you're also protecting the team from distractions. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, yes. and, and it's you're team. like you're like bouncer for the team, <laughs> right? Okay, so it's not like you have to be busy, like in the sense where you're sitting at your desk and and focusing on on whatever tool it is that you guys are using, but but you're available, you're aware of the kind of the larger atmosphere yeah, around exactly. the teams like exactly. you just said Brett so you can protect the team you know when either someone is feeling out of place or being distracted yeah good stuff um, yeah we could go on for forever on this topic but uh, let's uh, let's take time to uh, once again invite conversation reach out to us on Twitter with the hashtag tell agile coffee let us know um, what you think of the power of scrum masters and is it a full-time role how do you how do you make that argument for people who feel it's not a full-time role? Our last topic today, we've got uh, a card that says professional development, our professional development. And I believe that Brett chose this card out of the deck. Is that right, Brett? Well, yes, because I was only looking at volume two, and I didn't get a chance to look through the <laughs> cards in volume one. And I like that particular topic because there are a lot of different places where <clears> – <throat> We can go for professional development. Like we had talked about just a few minutes ago, we can go within the Agile community and get training in workshops and different various monthly meeting, monthly and weekly meetings. And we can also go online for professional development and resources. So let's talk about maybe some of how you guys have developed yourself uh, professionally. I've um, I like reading, and so I read pretty much any book that someone suggests somewhere. Right. Um, and I also have an um, Audible account, so I, I download as many books as I can and, and listen to those on the way right. to work. Some are better than others, but uh, that's the input part. And then being part of the community, like I said, has been very important. Um, I've got a, a membership to Safari Books Online. I've got like an unlimited year membership. It cost me several hundred dollars, but I have access to a lot of the uh, live agile reading library mm-hmm. on that. Um, I also have a, how do you pronounce it, SCRIBD, Scribd account? S C R I B D. It's okay. like a, another it's like, online reading yeah, resource. Yeah, I have an yep. account there. I also have what's called Blinkist. They do book summaries, and uh, I actually have uh, – they, they, you can read a book summary in about 15 minutes, and they are like things like Patrick Lencioni. Those types of books are on there, um, and they bring it down to like a 15-minute um, read. But the really cool thing is I have uh, the plugin that actually then takes that book summary and will actually send it to my Kindle. 
So then I can actually read it on my, I can load up a whole bunch of these book summaries on my Kindle and then I can get on an airplane or do something mm-hmm. like that and read those book summaries in, in 15 minutes. And so that's a really great uh, tool that I, I use. Nice. Yeah, that's great. Um, I mean, I, I put this topic when I was making these card decks. I, I kind of paused at each topic when I was doing the layout of, of it. And our professional development is is such a, a broad kind of a statement. So you guys just both mentioned, you know, books and doing a lot of reading. But again, going back to the fact that we're here together in a room talking about right. things, that's huge professional development. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to say, and, and sometimes it's not just studying. It's sometimes collaborating, working with co- yeah. other coaches like uh, coach cir- coaching circles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was going there. We had coaching circles. You had the um, the agile opens. Uh, you have coach camps and, and retreats and whatnot. But I mean, there's so much more than that. You can do volunteering, um, like Dr. Dave was doing his five Saturdays, getting out into the into the community and telling other people what is Scrum. People that had no idea what even project management is. In his case, you know, high school students and stuff. Um, working with other people inside your organization to kind of mentor them and, and train them, bring them up too. That helps your own professional development. Um, Curtis is smiling. Well, I'm, I'm laughing because you guys didn't leave me anything else to talk about. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you covered it all. Um, so, I mean, I've done the same thing. You know, the professional training uh, and then certainly the, the, the perpetual reading. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much to read. Um, I think it's a challenge actually to decide what to read. <laughs> yeah, um, there's so much out there. I was just going to also say maybe even mentoring. Sometimes when you mentor other people, mm-hmm. you are actually getting better yourself because mm-hmm. now you're fine-tuning how you explain things and how you can clarify some of those concepts. And that's actually a great statement because everyone talked about the right. Kanban earlier. That's, yeah. I mean, I had to use a lot of agile type of terminology and, exp- and explanation. Like work units, that, that oh, yeah. in itself is a very powerful concept. It uh, translates to how much work can you get done in some measurable amount of time that you can agree to uh, in a personal sense. Um, I think the other thing is just, you know, the the recurring uh, events all over the community, yeah. the Agile Opens. I mean, I learn a ton every time I go to those mm-hmm. um, uh, we've the games, you know, using the the creative dice. You mentioned uh, Dave earlier about the five Saturdays. We use those dice to stimulate creativity. You're talking about the, the Rory's Story Cubes. Yeah, yes, a, Rory's Story yes, Cubes. Yes, I have right. those. Those are great. Yeah. So and, and so back to your point earlier. It's 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 reading. Mm-hmm. It's and it's doing and yeah, it's exactly. and it's rubbing shoulders with the guys that are doing it and mm-hmm. the gals that are doing it and um, uh, and you know what? It's uh, it's fun. I mean, it's a fun experience of you. Engaging on, on social media, um, following Twitter streams, uh, people talking about, like, topics, whether it's no estimates or whether it's pair coaching or, or whatever the thing is, you know, get involved in the dialogue there. Don't feel like just because you're you're at home and you don't feel like going out, you, you can't do anything. You can certainly p- become part of the conversation um, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on yeah. any number of social media forms, Facebook. Um, also, don't feel that if you have no... Um, no events in your area that you're stuck, you can always spin up your own event, uh, whether it's something as small as a lean coffee or, you know, starting an Agile Open in your area. You well, know, nothing's, it, nothing's really... If I can add one thing, a lot of people, what's the farthest uh, that people traveled for the uh, Agile Open Camp? Oh, for my, for my Coach, Agile... For the Agile, Agile Open Camp. Yeah, Agile we came Coach, as far as East Coast. Agile Coach Camp, yeah. Canada, East Coast. Yeah, we had yeah. people from the East Coast. We had people from Canada. Um, 
Yeah, that's yeah that, that was about as far there. But, I mean, the Seattle had their um, the coaching retreat back in June, and we had people from uh, New Zealand were attending. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was great seeing people from, you know, across the globe come to an event where there's only 120 of us or so. Right. Um, so, yeah, these things are everywhere. Um, and, and you said doing also. You yeah. said, so I, I was thinking, you know, we, we read books. We don't know what to read. I think you said something like that. Well, write something. Start with blog posts. <laughs> yeah, start with but, tweets, yeah. right? Even tweet. But uh, I was going to say, when you just said doing that, just re- reminded me, yeah. practicing the profession yeah. develops yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's getting better at it. Um, we done with this topic? Yeah. All right. So, um, so that's it for our regular topics. But I did throw one last card. Now that we've used this deck, and you guys are now somewhat <coughs> familiar with the deck that we've uh, we've just uh, played with here. Um, what recommendations do you have? What feedback do you have on on the deck itself? Um, on maybe any other uses? Like instead of doing the the dot voting and going around like we typically do, what other uses could we do um, for a deck like this? Would you use it in the workplace? Could you imagine using it with your teams? So when you ask the question, you mean in the context of we sit down at a table and what happens next? Yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts now that you've you've seen the card, you've you've played with the deck, you've had it in your hands, you've had it on the table in front so, of you? So I think from a practical perspective, first these cards need to get into the hands of a lot of people that are thinking about Agile coffee. Yeah. Not lean coffee, Agile coffee, <laughs> right? So they can start to study them, look at them, and get a sense for what are people talking about. So as they start up their own Agile Coffee, so I'm talking, I'm, I'm directing this towards those people who want to do this mm-hmm. on behalf of their local community, their teams, whatever. And they go through these decks and they start to look at this. And then at their very first Agile Coffee, they probably would have, I would say, one deck and split it into three or four slices and let the people at the table start to get familiar with the cards and use those as topics for their lean coffee and or write up their own uh, their own cards uh, for what they want to talk about. So if you're asking how these cards would be used, that's what I would uh, that's what I would see happening with these cards. Uh, the only change that I would make to these cards is uh, don't make them the same color. Uh, is there another color than brown? Oh yeah, that's a great great point. So the decks um, can be distinguished between the colors that are on the back. You're looking at an early prototype where volume 1 and volume 2 were both the same color. Right. So going forward, volume one is a dark roast right. blend color. Right. Uh, volume two is this mid mid tone that we've got, and volume three is a very cafe au lait color. And this <laughs> this may, in my mind, also represent the series of maturity that you might want to send these oh, cards yeah. out. There you go. You know, so if somebody who's yeah. just starting might get the volume one. That's a right. little easier set of topics to start well, the conversation. I didn't really on. distinguish between, you know, ease of topic because I think any given card that you pick, you can it really ba- is based on the experience of the people mm-hmm. that are using it. You know, you can be at you know, a, a basic okay. beginner level and yeah. talk about any of these sure, cards, sure. I think. But the more the more experience you have, the more nuanced you can get with these cards. Right. But but I, I see what you're saying. You know, you can use something about the decks to distinguish them uh, to a different market. But I think that for these first three volumes of Agile Coffee cards, they're conversation starters. So, sure. um, so I think that they play well together. I, I believe these cards. Uh, if you and I've been thinking about how would I use these cards with uh, with a team, and I believe it's going to. Uh, Increase the quality of your conversation. I've done a lean coffee as a retrospective, 
with my team once, and it was good. We, we It was a great time, great interaction. But the, the quality of the conversation uh, was for the moment good, but this will increase the quality of the conversation. This turns people toward growing in their understanding of agile. And so that's what you really want. You want mature teams, right? If you want mature teams, you have to ask more, if you will, mature questions. And these are these are those type of questions. It gets a really good conversation going. And you probably got a sense that many of the cards here, if not most of them, um, are great for scrum teams. Okay. I don't have anything specific for, for say for any of the scaling frameworks, but I do mention Lean and I mentioned Kanban and we mentioned uh, some of the, um, the extreme programming practices, TD and pair programming is in there. Uh, there's something called Gemba Walks. So, I mean, even those other topics that aren't specific to Scrum can still be talked about within the same context of, uh, of teams at work. I've also got a few cards in there. We mentioned the blank cards that you can use for, um, for writing your own topics, as we did today. But I've got a card in there that has uses for lean coffee. So I talk about how we can use it you know, within the workplace, uh, within uh, communities, and how we even used it to create the Agile Coffee podcast. But I'm sure there's other uses that you can use for the traditional lean coffee. Um, we call it Agile Coffee here as well. Also, uh, kind of what's the history of how did the lean coffee movement get started? So there's a card in there that points you to more resources as well. Um, another card that has how to set up and run uh, a more traditional lean coffee or agile coffee. What are the rules? Uh, so it's one card, simple rules, step by step to uh, get you going. And on the back of that is the personal Kanban board that we discussed already with the three columns to do, doing, and done, followed by a fourth optional column, which is actions. Um, and then there's other, uh, maybe other cards that'll be included as well. But the focus is on the questions. So this deck, both of these two decks, volume one and two, have 46 questions that, again, were curated from over three years of you guys sitting with me, um, either on the mics or off mics, and, and coming up with these questions um, for meetup after meetup over the years. So I wanted to thank you guys once again for taking the time. Did you have any last words on the deck? You're good? I love the deck, Vic. This is an amazing accomplishment. I know you put a lot of blood, sweat, blood, sweat and tears into it and spent many, many long hours kudos to you Vic this is great yeah, thank you very much yeah yeah my pleasure um, and thank you guys for the feedback this is really constructive uh, so one last pitch uh, if you want to see these decks go to agilecoachingcards.com um, you can get more information there detailed pictures uh, you can leave feedback on other uses it will take you to the kickstarter which goes until September 24th that's a Thursday so that's the last time that you can get in on the deals that are are there set up for uh, rewards for backers on the Kickstarter. That means that you're going to have to quickly edit this podcast and get it released <laughs> into the world so people have extra time to get to that Kickstarter. Hey, look up. There's only, there's only a few weeks left, uh, a couple weeks left. So you do, have, you do have a bit of time. Race against the clock, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but we're getting there. Um, so I want to thank, once again, my guests here around the table. Thank you, Curtis, Larry, and Brett for being here. Um, Curtis Gilbert can be reached on email at cfgilbert at outlook.com. Larry Lawhead on Twitter is at Larry Lawhead. And Brett Palmer on Twitter is Brett underscore Palmer. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. I'm Vic Bonacci. You can reach me on Twitter at Agile Coffee. It's been a pleasure doing Agile Coffee with the guys here today. I want to just remind you all to have your coffee with friends. Nice. Agile. 
fim 